Hello and welcome to the lore you know. Welcome everybody. It is good to be here. I am Jeremy Hochhalter, your host. Uh, usually I have a guest host. Sarah Stewart uh, is working. She, she had to go back to real life. Pre-COVID life. Go figure. These things are a thing. But that doesn't mean the show ends. The show must go on. And so we're going to dive into some secrets and societies of the Scarred Lands campaign setting. <clears throat> Before we do, as I go to drink my coffee, I just want to remind everybody that you can stop by Found Familiar Coffee, click in the link that I'm about to share, or that will be in the show notes, and use WH Pubs as your coupon code for 10% off. Yes, if you click through the affiliate link, I do get a very small percentage, and I appreciate that support. So, without further ado, there are a lot of uh, secrets and societies. Not necessarily all secret societies, but some are. Um, there are some well-known societies in Gelsbad and across the face of Skarn, and there are some that are thought to be well-known that actually have secrets from the... I'm going to say secrets from even themselves. Um, so over the course of the coming weeks, we're going to do some shorter episodes that will focus uh, on two each of these societies or groups of uh, individuals. And yeah, so we'll, we'll uh, be diving into that in the coming weeks. Today, we're going to focus on two of these societies. The first, if you're looking live or on the video later on, we have our map of Gelsbad here. Oh, is the music too loud? Good to know. Thank you for letting me know. Usually it's almost non-existent. How is that? I have to say that um, my software recently updated and when it did so it reset a whole bunch of things. So thanks for letting me know. It's hard to know what's coming out the other end. Okay, so if you do need me to change anything, please let me know. Otherwise, we'll dive in. So on the map of Gelspad, or if you're using your imagination to imagine it, near the center, kind of the, the southern central part of the main landmass, but pretty central Gelspad, is a large forest. And we've covered this forest before. It is known as the Hornsaw, named after the horrific unicorns that lived there. It is known that not many people travel, like traverse into the forest itself um, for good reason. It's it's a deadly place. Uh, commoners tend to stay out. Adventurers tend to dive in and never come back out. But it's also known beyond the the hornsaw unicorns and um, Glividotel, which is nearby. There are it, it's a well known area for lycanthropes um, and on. Scarn in the Scarlands campaign setting, lycanthropes are the creatures of Belsameth. Um, they answer to Belsameth's moon when it becomes full. They turn into frenzied, rabid animals that just kill at their goddess's desire, really. Um, one of the reasons that Belsameth is known as the goddess of murder. Um, you know, happy stuff like that. So in this forest, 
right here in the center of Gelspad. There actually is a fairly unknown group of individuals known as the Accursed. The Accursed are actually lycanthropes who have overcome their lycanthropy, lycanthropy, however you want to say it. Um, they don't, it's not gone, it hasn't been cured, which is a possibility. You can go to like a Priestess of Tannel, can um, remove, a powerful Priestess of Tannel, I should say, can remove the curse of lycanthropy. Um, however, these, these beings that make up the accursed have overcome their curse by their will. And I love this concept that it really leans into, um, if you've, if you've listened to me before and you've, t and, I, and we've ever talked about alignment, I'm, I'm not a fan of alignment. Um, I think behavior totally makes sense. You can kind of say these people tend to behave this way. This culture tends to behave this way, or this um, animal tends to behave this way. But to say that like uh, a thing is, you know, chaotic evil is just kind of weird to me. You know, like a thing may be that way, but a group of things tends to not be that way. And this is like a really great uh, example of a creature that is commonly accepted as evil in D and D: the werewolf, uh, were rats. Um, I actually meant to look up beforehand if uh, werebears and such are considered evil in 5th edition. I'm going to look it up on D&D Beyond real quick. So they do carry over um, in 5th edition their um, neutral good for um, werebears, werebores, uh, these, these people that their beasts don't make them go crazy, they don't make them run out and eat halflings and such. Not that that has ever happened in one of my games. Um, but even the, the beast for these, you know, it still changes their, their personal alignment. So you could have, you could have a, a, a chaotic evil creature that becomes infected with um, werebore lycanthropy and when it's in beast form it becomes like a neutral or good creature. So it's kind of a weird thing. So that that aside, taking out the alignment of things, it, it's a behavior that they that they gain with this beast, and the beast are the the people who have been um, cursed with this lycanthropy and have overcome their beast can control it. So rather than being under the sway of Belsimuth's moon, they are instead able to change their shape um, and and maintain their control over it, so they don't revert into a werewolf or a were-rat or um, some other lycanthrope unwillingly. Um, so I, I just thought it's a, it's, it's a great example of um, a person overcoming that curse and then using it to their benefit. So the history of the accursed actually stems back to a, a set of twins, uh, two sisters who grew up let me double check this. They are from... Oh, it actually doesn't say where, where they are from. It just says that they were orphaned at the age of 10 in the middle of the Hornsoft Forest during the Divine War. So this is prior to the, to the uh, Hornsoft Forest being 
a crazy murder pit that it is today. Um, their parents were murdered by a rampaging werewolf, and in that... Oh, no, I apologize. Stepping back. My notes. Totally my fault. Um, Lena and Winna, the two girls, were orphaned at the age of 10 in the middle of the Hornsaw Forest during the Divine War. Um, it doesn't say what killed their parents, but when they turned 16, a rampaging werewolf in the forest caused Winna to contract lycanthropy. Now, Lena refused to abandon her, and the two sisters traveled around trying to find a cure for Winna. Um, whenever Winna would unleash her curse, whenever the moon would be full and Belsimus's, you know, influence caused her, her shifting, then she would, you know, they would, they would, um, lock her up, keep her contained, keep her from being able to hurt Lena or anybody around. But over the years, you know, this, this really came to be, um, something that they wanted to overcome, not in the way of making it go away, but overcome in a way that they could then use it to help other lycan lycanthropes who would then be able to control their curse and therefore not spread it and not just randomly murder people. So they ended up running into a small family of werebears. Now, when we talk about lycanthropes, you have the curse that... Um, carries the shape-shifting ability but where it comes from is very important um, most natural lycanthropes have much more control over their their change and their alignment those who are born lycanthropes so if a lycanthropic parent or two parents has a child that child has a very uh, good chance of inheriting the curse whereas a um, changed or an altered lycanthrope is one that has contracted the curse from an attack has been bitten by a uh, or scratched by a, a lycanthrope and therefore changes um so the the werebears that Winna and Lena met met were natural they were werebears that were living in the forest they were protecting themselves against the others um that were running around crazily and the the werebears listened to their plight and spoke with Lena and they were like probably the best way for you to deal with this is for us to turn you into a werebear and teach you how to control it so that you have the power to withstand your sister's rage her her unending bloodlust when she becomes a werewolf and this was definitely in line with what the sisters wanted to do. And so Lena became a, a werebear. She voluntarily assumed her um, form. And over the next several years, up until um, about the time that the twins were 30, they practiced this control over their, sh their shape-shifting forms. Now, because the werebear is a um a good aligned creature it was much easier for lena to 
at least control her beast when it came time for her to shift un, uh, unwillingly, but it definitely was a road for Winna to walk down. Like, it, it took her a long time to overcome her, her werewolf. But at a certain point, she no longer needed to change during the full moon. She no longer needed to um, answer the, the push that Belsimuth put upon her, and she could control her werewolf by will and this allowed her to maintain her own alignment going back to alignment when she shifted and she didn't have to um she also she also gained the ability to um sorry my brain is derailing uh to control the curse so if she bites somebody she can choose as can Lena with her werebear um, whether or not to Im imbue this curse upon somebody. So coming to this point, they, they had really realized their dream of now they can take this knowledge and share it with other lycanthropes. And so they started this conclave deep within the, uh, the Hornsaw Forest. Now at a certain point, that conclave was driven out by the, uh, the evil lycanthropes those who didn't want to contain their beast those who didn't want to control it who reveled in the bloodlust but as the years passed this group that came to be known as the accursed brought in not only good aligned and, and neutral aligned lycanthropes but evil aligned lycanthropes that wanted to learn how to control that beast within them and now at the age of 44, let me double check this. No, no, they're older now. Um, they actually, I apologize. I'm gonna back up just a little bit. At the age of 44, the, um, the group had essentially grown and there was a a village that they were living in um, when a detachment of were-rats came through and began, began to loot and kill the people within the village. Winnet and Lina helped the town to defend itself and as more of the were-rats were attacking people, others that had learned to control them, their, their own powers, um, rose to the defense of the city. Unfortunately, this revelation caused persecution. Even though they were technically the saviors of the village, the, the non-cursed people cast them out. And so they went back into uh, the depths of the forest. And since then, um, they have essentially created this small army of lycanthropes that go out into the forest and find those willing to come and make the same change that they've done. Uh, they have a small group that goes beyond the forest and either spreads the word of what they're doing or actively searches out lycanthropes who are willing to come there and learn how to control their lycanthropic powers. Um, the twins actually died in 78 AD, but they have continued to, uh, the cursed have continued to prosper. It's built a small fortress within the uh, 
the forest and beyond you know the strange beasts that roam around and a, uh, the occasional incursion of a small undead army from Glyvedotel, they live in relative peace. Um, their successors is a man known as Orin. Or, I have that wrong, where is this fellow? I apologize for the wait. Orid, there he is. So instead of Orin, it's Orid with the D on the end. Um, Orid is a werebear. And essentially, as he grew up in this conclave, um, let me find my notes on him. He is a natural lycanthrope, so he was born to a, a, a family of werebears. Um, and his... His family was actually run out of where they lived, much like the sisters were, when their house was burnt down. Um, fleeing into the forest, they, they ended up joining the the accursed. And Orid wasted no time in learning everything he could about his lycanthropy. Um, the blind fear and hatred that he saw as a child um, in the mob that burned down his family's house really came he came to understand that and he wanted to teach people that lycanthropy isn't something that is necessarily a curse it can be used for good it can be used to help and people can definitely be learned to or can definitely be taught to control that beast um, he became a devout worshiper of madriel and has gained levels essentially as a cleric so he's a he's a fierce fighter that tends to want to wade into battle and protect those behind him. But he also, as he ages, has learned um, spell casting. He can heal others. He can support his troops that way. Um, when he came of age, it wasn't a surprise that after the twins died, he was elevated to a essentially um, a leader position. He isn't a king. He isn't given any title, but the the conclave turns to him they listen to his advice um if anything as he's aged he's just grown more and more into this position um he doesn't do it from a sense of duty or chivalry but just this amazing reserve of compassion that he has inside of himself and to think of him as this child who in the face of hatred and fear um, was tossed out of his home, you know, uh, his family had to flee or potentially be killed. For him to grow up this way, I think, is a really awesome, awesome story. So yeah, there, uh, that is the, the accursed. Um, I find them interesting because they can definitely be used as a DM tool for those who have been cursed with lycanthropy. Um, I think uh, depending on how you run your games, um, a lot of players don't get the chance to actually play a werewolf or a were-rat or whatever because they, they overpower other characters pretty quickly 
um, their curse can become a danger to the party and so a lot of times that character is like okay we're now an NPC and is taken out or, or goes off out of the party whereas this really gives a group the chance to play through the curse like how how is it that um, this character is affected by it how is the group affected by it how do we change that so I think it, it offers up some really neat options for, for that side of things. And it's also a really good um, quest giver. So if um, a group meets one of these lycanthropes that's outside of the Hornsaw or in the Hornsaw or wherever, um, it's they're, they're a great question mark, come over here and get my, my quest from me kind of person. Okay. So from there, we're going to go into... Um, I'm going to find it in my notes. The Order and the Cult of the Ancients. Now, this is often very confusing for those outside of the Order, and potentially even inside the Order, because they are not one, but three separate groups. And not many people really understand that. Um, there is this interchangeability of the, the terms Cult of the Ancients and Order of the Ancients that the common person will use that isn't necessarily the truth. Um, but the, the Order and the Cult don't necessarily go out of their way to explain any of this to the layman. So originally, the Cult of the Ancients was a group of well-to-do merchants, um, nobles, people with money, that after the Divine War wanted to secure their place in the world, both monetarily and through knowledge. So not only did they already have money and want to make sure they held on to that money, and so they were investing in things that were worth a good deal but they wanted to find ways of influencing the people around them and documents and books that they found showed ways of influence that had worked for what this order called the or uh, the ancients and so the order of ancients was formed um, at that point there wasn't a cult of the ancients yet it was only an order um, immediately following the Titans War. So who were the ancients? Um, the general person doesn't really know. Uh, some say that it was a civilization that predated the Lydian Empire. Others say that it was related to the Sorecians, and that's really in like really small circles because a lot of people don't even know about the Sorecians. Um, and then others just believe that it, it might have been um, empires that fell long ago, whether that was the Abandoned or the Viren, they were the first uh, intelligent race created, or maybe it was the Slytherin um, when their, their wide empire really flourished. And so the, the order itself went out and started collecting all these things, and they raised chapter houses in essentially every major city. Um, these chapter houses became bastions of knowledge, learning, and exploration. Um, some of these citadels essentially became like fortresses 
and within those fortresses were sprawling libraries that covered all sorts of subjects and the only the only person that like might have any kind of um, collection greater would be Yugman the Sage uh, we've talked about him in previous episodes I believe uh, the one about the Hornsaw Forest um, so by collecting these artifacts and texts they came upon a book called The Power of Death now The Power of Death is not something that the layman knows um, knows about but only a small group of high-ranking people in the order would really know about it and that that book caused a schism because essentially the book was this horrid dark artifact you could kind of think about it as the book of vile darkness from forgotten realms or other places in the DD universe but it was really about the art of murder how to kill people most effectively and even though it doesn't say it, it does explain that the or the book itself was Slurician in origin. Now, if you go back and you watch the episode about Slurians, they are insidious and they make a lot of um, objects that directly affect people. While it doesn't say that this object directly affected these people, I feel like this very well, in my own campaign, this is how I would use it, um, that the people who read it are not only taught how to be master murderers, but are influenced in that way. And I feel like it really comes out in the schism that happened. So about 65 years ago, so that would be 85 APV? I think 85. Um, the schism began in what is what became known as the Cult of the Ancients. And they were the ones who, rather than, than learning from this, this information um, that was gathered, these ancient texts, these ancient um, artifacts, rather than learning from them, um, they, they were really built up around this book, The Power of Death. And they began this organization within the organization of assassins. And they would, um, with this, this network in place all across Gelsbad, potentially even across the world, um, they had everything they needed to just go out and start this this new thing you know they already had this network for finding all of these people finding all of these objects now they just twisted it and used it for now do you know anyone who needs an assassin uh do you know anyone that needs be to be murdered and they grew this cult over time and that schism happened because they had already gained the wealth and knowledge and power and they wanted to just become a fist for Belsimeth, essentially, on Gelsbad. <clears throat> a lot of the members had turned to Belsimeth worship over the years, 
and this group decided that the knowledge that they had been granted through the works of um, the Order of the Ancients, they would become the will of Belsimeth on Galsbad. So, as this expanded, the, the Order pretty much stepped away, and they were like, we don't want to have anything to do with you. Um, and the cult was fine with that. They had already gained their power, and they had nothing else to learn, essentially, from the Order. Um, for many years, they worked in... The, the group itself worked as a, a cohesive unit, but as time went by, the, the bloodthirstiness of the Belsamites really grew to be of such an extent that those members within the group that wanted to be assassins were still like, um, you know, it's a little, it's a little much for us. Like we're, we're totally down with going out and doing contract killings, but we don't kill everyone in the house. We don't kill stranger or, you know, we don't kill innocents. We don't kill bystanders, witnesses. Um, we're just very good at our job to make sure none of those things get in our way. And then we leave, you know, we killed the one person that was contracted and that, that's it, and we leave. Whereas the Belsamites, who became this other sub-faction, so this is now the third part of the Cult of Ancients, um, they would just go and if, if somebody was in a house and they knew other people were in the house and so it might be difficult to get in there and kill them, there might be guards, they would just chain the door shut and set the building on fire and wait to make sure no one got out and thereby killing everyone within or they would um, you know, use terrible magic that could potentially harm individuals that weren't the target. And so this other schism then happened and separated the two. So you have the Order and then you have the Belsamites who still consider themselves the Order of the Ancients but they are not um, traditionalists, as the, the other group is called. Okay, so the Order of Ancients, you know, has has a chapter house in virtually every city across Gelsbad. They are headed up by a fellow named, sorry, let me bring up my other notes. Um, his name is... Antonus Estos. He lives in a manse in Shelzar from where he essentially continues to, to grow this, this order that um, collects things. Um, the, the underground level beneath this mansion is a vast collection of Silurian and pre-war writings and artifacts, including the original copy of The Power of Death. The Power of Death that is currently owned by the, uh, the Belsamites is actually a copy which it doesn't specifically say this but I feel like the leader which we'll talk about here in a moment if the leader knew this um, would probably want to go and get the, the original copy because those who read it on a regular basis are actually granted extra abilities they are enhanced by the book to do what the book wants them to do which is murder people um, again why I think that 
the Silesians were essentially using this as an experiment. They're just like, how can we affect these silly mortals and and their violence? Um, so yeah, but the, the order itself doesn't use it that way. Antonis doesn't read the book in order to become a, a better assassin. He's just a guy who collects stuff and is very knowledgeable about this stuff and the the he probably is one of the most learned people about the Silurian culture, um, and so if you're playing a game with the Silurians, he would be a great NPC to have involved. His stat blocks are in the uh, Shelzar book, um, and he's also man uh, mentioned in uh, Secrets and Societies. Okay, so from there we're going to go into the Cult of the Ancients, the Traditionalists. Now the traditionalists um, maintain no central headquarters. Um, they do have a house or several houses in each of the major areas of the, um, like each of the major cities of the, the continent, essentially to act as safe houses, um, meeting places, but none of them would be considered a headquarters because they are so wary of their fellows in the cult that are now considered Belsomites instead of traditionalists um, because essentially the the Belsomites have declared open season on the traditionalists they are vying for contracts and the Belsomites who are actively worshipping Belsameth feel like it's more their literally God-given right to have these jobs than it is for the traditionalists to have it. I'm going to take a quick break here because I have a question from the chat. With the power of death having been created by Slaritians, could they perhaps against their will secretly advancing the... Yeah, okay, so would a reader be secretly advancing the Slaritian cause? I feel like the answer to that would be yes. Um, maybe not so much in the way that the Slaritian language, language virus does, where that one, you know, essentially causes a person to then subconsciously or potentially even not subconsciously but you know they they then are trying to seek the rod that would free the Uthriac from their prison um i feel like the power of death was probably an, an influence that the Sarishans put into the into the world prior to uh, potentially prior to the Uthriac being imprisoned um, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. That's where I would put it if, if it were in my campaign, if it worked out that way, I guess. Um, but it was, I feel like it was a, a more minor experiment for the Serrations. Like how, how are these strange creatures affected by this? I feel like they have so many ob like objects that influence how a person, like a mortal, is how their their emotions are felt, how they act, how they respond to things. Um, I just feel like the world was their lab and mortals were their guinea pigs. And so this is just one of those objects. Um, so as far as advancing the cause, um, depends on what cause that was. I feel like if a Silurian was actively in the world watching these things, it would be learning from how people were acting. So this schism that happened in the cult to create the traditionalists and the Belsomites, 
would definitely be a point of interest for this Laurentian scientist who's like, oh, what caused this? And, you know, they create pie graphs and charts and all of this. Um, so yeah, good question. I, I definitely think it, it is a cause, but not like the prime cause of re the return of the Uthriac. Okay, so uh, yeah, so the traditionalists are essentially in hiding, but are also um, an active, hireable organization. So they have ways of getting jobs um, to continue to be the cult of the ancients while still trying to survive the wrath um, of the, the Belsamites. And the leader, let me double check on his name here so I don't bring up the wrong artwork for you. But the leader, yep, yep, this is, this is Naxos here. Cult of the Ancients, Naxos. Now this Gaston-looking fellow, I feel like he needs his own theme song. Like, no one cuts like Naxos. No one guts like Naxos. No, that's really all I had so far. <laughs> um, so he is the, the, the human leader of the Cult of the Ancients, the Traditionalists. And he never remains in one space for too long. He has an active price on his head sent out by the, the Belsamites. And he lives what could be called a precarious existence. Um, but he also is the, uh, the leader of this group. And so he has to be seen by the group. And he actively takes jobs still um, to live in the relative comfort that he is still allowed. Um, subtle like his order... He never fights in in uh, just for the cause of violence. He goes out and he hunts down his contracted target and ends that person's life specifically um, alone and without witnesses. And he considers the deaths of innocents or those not contracted to be killed to be distasteful at best so he has serious issues with the Belsamites and their leader um, many don't really know that these traditionalists, traditionalists exist when they're hiring assassins they essentially glom all of them together so um, those who are hiring them don't really know that the Belsamites or the traditionalists are separate factions um, and so depending on the interaction that someone may have had with the cult they may view the traditionalists in a positive manner like oh yes I feel safe around you because I understand that you are only going to kill this person you've been contracted to kill or they may be very worried about their interaction they may just be like please don't kill me I just need this person to be removed you know whatever you need um, and I think the traditionalists to an extent will leverage that. Um, it helps them to remain hidden. No one is going to go tell them, oh, well, this cult of the ancient traditionalist was here because one, they don't know they are that way, but like um, that fear that the cult of the ancients has instilled in the populace in general um, helps their, their uh, facade be maintained. That leads us to Talina. 
Now, the original artwork for Talina, outside of The Wise and the Wicked, creeps me out to no end. And I feel like perhaps she's a little younger looking in this than she really should be. But essentially, several years after the schism happened and the Belsamites rose to their their position, one of the priests of Belsameth that's that was within the the cult had dreams and visions that the um what is the word they used essentially the chosen of Belsameth was going to show up let me find her real quick The Slayer's Chosen is what I'm finding. So the Slayer, or Belsameth, um, her, her Chosen was going to be arriving soon, is what this, this uh, priest was told in these visions and these dreams. And shortly thereafter, a knock on some, some dark rainy night, there's this light knock on the door. And the priest opens the door to find this this child. Um, she was 13 at the time. Uh, so whether or not you think that artwork is sufficient or not, I think it's super creepy because she looks like a little kid covered in blood, wielding a fairly hefty knife. Um, but yeah, the uh, the priest opened the door and there was Talina, this this child who had just murdered uh, her family. Um, she had crept out, you know, from room to room in her house. She first killed her baby brother, and then she killed the servants, and then she killed her, her parents. And she, immediately thereafter, she walked out into the storm and made her way to this chapter house. Now, how she knew about the chapter house is unknown. She hasn't told anyone. Um, whether it was given to her, the, the information was given to her by Belsameth, or if she just had already known about it, perhaps by rumor, uh, some other knowledge that she had gained, uh, is unknown. But within a year, um, she had risen to be one of the most prominent members of the Belsamite faction of the, or the culture of the ancients. When they had taken her in and chosen to teach her, the the Belsamites were taken aback by how much she already knew. The skill and deftness at which she wielded a blade for the method of murder. Um, and with by the time she was 14, she was crowned essentially as the leader of the Belsamites. So many years have gone by, and now she is in her 30s. Um, it does say that she has retained much of her youthful vigor and glow. I feel like the art that was included in Wise and the Wicked doesn't really show that as much. She, she looks... Um, I don't want to say she looks old, but she doesn't have... It, it, it essentially was alluded that she hasn't aged much due to Belsameth's touch. Uh, she definitely looks older than, than other art, I guess is what... Um, she has built her her headquarters in Shelzar, deep beneath the uh, 
the brothel known as Belsimeth's Whisper. Um, which, for those in the know, is actually quite fitting because Talina has come to be known as the Whisper or Belsimeth's Whisper. Um, and her her lair, which is... Uh, sorry, i got to double check this. Um... The Chamber of Secrets, not the Harry Potter one. Probably much worse than that. Um, the Chamber of Secrets is far below the streets of Shelzar um, and sits in a complex of, of uh, rooms and tunnels, a maze uh, known as the Temple of Shadows. The Temple of Shadows is essentially the uh, headquarters for the Belsamites, although they also, much like the other factions, have... Um, chapter houses in every major city and, and location around Bels or around Gelsbad. Um, but within this this maze of, of rooms is the Chamber of Secrets where Talina sits alone and talks to Belsameth. Um, she guides the Belsamites and often when a, a Belsamite gets one of these contracts. The contract is brought to uh, Talina to condone, to essentially give uh, Belsameth's blessing upon. Um, and there's tell that there have been times where the the contract or whatever is 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 um, vetoed, for lack of a better word that, for, that I'm coming up with right now. Uh, Belsameth essentially says, "No, I don't want that person killed." Perhaps that person is important to some other plan that she has going on. Um, so there have been times where the Belsamites will turn down a contract. Um, but it is said that it is possible that Talina is the loneliness, the loneliest of those in the orders. Uh, not that there are not other people out there that are equally as lonely, but she doesn't often go out into the world and when when she does it is at Belsimus's behest she goes out to do a job to kill somebody or multiple somebodies um, she does go out to make sure those that follow her are in line and and are following their orders but for the most part it's her and Belsimus hanging out in a room with her being told what to do um, so over the years, she's gone from this zealot uh, murderer to someone who's who definitely has a zealousness um, deep within her that is willing to have this lonely existence, but isn't quite as hands-on in controlling her empire of death. Let me just check to see if there are any other things here that I missed about this group. Uh, I will bring up her right-hand person. Sorry for the delay there. Um, 
or maybe he is not her right-hand person. I'll have to double-check this as I go. Uh, one of the most deadly assassins that is a member of the cult is known as Deadeye. And Deadeye is actually an undead uh, assassin. He, is, he takes the form of a skeleton, but he has many more abilities than a typical skeleton does. Um, in addition to the typical undeath stuff that would protect him from... We'll call it uh, lethal damage. I don't feel like I'm going in the right direction there. I'm going to start over with this. <laughs> uh, he is so he's a skeleton, um, and he keeps a, a quiver of Elhana in his chest. Um, so rather, it's it's rather protected there, and he. Um, can pull his his magic bow and his various you know uh, arrows out of it at at his will, um, but his most prized possession is an artifact called the Eye of Death. The Eye of Death is literally a replacement for an eye. So to use it, you have to cut your own eye out, or somebody has to cut your eye out, and then you place it in there and attune to it, and the eye gives you. Um, some very interesting abilities, including seeing into the uh, ethereal, being able to see invisible, and most importantly, for a an assassin like Deadeye, um, one of the facets for the eye allows him to zoom in, essentially, on his target and make his his ranged attacks with uh, bonuses. Um, Deadeye is able to actually use his own body, being blessed by Belsimuth, as slaying arrows. So um, if he is out of arrows that have already been imbued with the magic that would slay a person, he can pull bones off of his body and use those as arrows, which I felt was especially fitting and quite disturbing. I feel like there was another person here that I was going to tell you about, but he's not in my notes. Uh, so there is Willaz. Willaz is a, um, what would be a typical crew member of, of Talina's Belsamites. Um, there's a large number of tieflings um, due to the uh, ongoing interbreeding between fiends and mortals that surround the uh, the original cult of the ancients or rather the original order of the ancients because they were finding these texts that allowed them to um, call upon fiends or control fiends um, and so over the years a good number of those tieflings that you meet in Shelzar are going to be the result of these interbreedings and a lot of them will end up joining up with the Cult of the Ancients, uh, specifically the Belsamites. Uh, Willows is, um, he's described to be con uh, considerably handsome, but he exudes just this aura of utter repulsiveness. Um, it's enough to make people around him uncomfortable and nervous. And even though he does have wings, he keeps them concealed beneath a cloak unless he is uh, in need of them, and he has a suit of leather armor that was specifically designed to accommodate them. 
Uh, his devotion to his two mistresses is absolute. Uh, one of those is Talina, and so her word is law for him, and the other is fairly obviously Belsimuth. Um He is definitely one of those that is used to... Uh, he's he's Talina's hunting hound. He's sent out to uh, take care of those who cause Talina any amount of trouble. Um, and though he enjoys combat... Uh, he often acts through his sub subordinates. So... Um, Assassins who are below him in the uh, the grand scheme of things within the the order, they are they are the ones who often are his word or his actions um, made made real. Um, often he will send them after and then watch, and if the prey escapes, he will then hunt down the the weakened victim um, rather than fighting them when they are at their prime. So we've covered Talina, we've covered Antinous and Naxos. Told you about the Eye of Death. And we've talked about the Power of Death. That pretty much covers the Order and the Cult of the Ancients. Um, if you do have any questions, please feel free to throw those into the chat and I'll get them answered before we log off. I do want to share a link on here if you are interested in checking out the tieflings offered for the Scarlands. This isn't a, um, an official source, but it was written by Travis Lake, who is the, uh, the design lead for Onyx Path for the Scarlands. Um, he came up with a variety of, of tieflings that make sense for the skill for the uh, Scarlands campaign setting, um, and so if you were using the Cult of the Ancients and needed fiendish tieflings either for NPCs or as um, the ability for your players to use them, definitely check out that that offering by Travis Leg. So, like I said, uh, these episodes are going to be shorter. We're we're only at an hour. Um, but join me next week as I delve more into Secrets and Societies of, of the Scarred Lands. I'm probably going to do House of Surus and potentially the Bla uh, Black Dragoons, which are probably my least favorite. They're, they're a group of, of complete a-holes. Um, but uh, they, they do make for great enemies for your group. Um, if you do have questions and you're watching this, on YouTube or if you are listening to it on podcast, please feel free to leave a comment and I will get back to you as soon as I can and try to get your answer. Um, until then, I am Jeremy Hochalter. You can find me on Twitter at WHPubs, over on Facebook at WH Publications, same as here on Twitch, uh, WH Publications. You can also head over to WHPublications.com, which has been recently redesigned. It doesn't look like the pile of poo that it did for several months as I was trying to get it reorganized. Um, all of my publications are currently listed on there as well as how to find me across the internet. Thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it and I will see you next time. Bye!